Okay, this is part two. If you didn't listen to, and you, some of you guys came back, so I didn't scare you too far off. So I'm glad of that, all right? This is part two of, I think it's going to be three parts. Okay, I'm sorry about that. We're going to camp here for a little bit because I believe that, that I want you to be aware of, of what's going on in the spiritual realm. I've never really been a fan of this teaching. I've never been a, f- a fan of talking about demons. Um, just hold that up for a second. Don't move it yet. I would rather ignore it and hope that it would just go away. But it doesn't. I've seen people in bondage, Christians in bondage, tormented. My answers before have been, read the Bible. Pray more. Crucify the flesh and you'll be fine. And they don't walk in freedom. My attitude began to change as I looked into the Word of God regarding this issue. A different picture was painted in the New Testament with Jesus. These were normal people. These were God's chosen people in the synagogues. Not the heathen that I had assumed were the ones that were were being tormented by these demons. Jesus said this, If a man be delivered from a demon, hasn't the kingdom of God come? Mary Magdalene, and we know how much she loved Jesus. The Bible says that she was delivered from, from seven spirits. So I'm, I'm, I'm confronted with this. Some of these demons that we are, I'm talking about maybe have entered our lives through when we were unsaved. Maybe through soul ties that we have with somebody that we shouldn't have. Maybe with connections with the wrong people. Partying with the wrong crowd. Maybe as kids, even through a door that we were unaware of. I would much rather have not be even talking about this tonight. I'll be honest with you. I've struggled with it. I've... Somebody asked me last week, they said, Greg, are you okay? And I, I said, I'm fine. Everything is fine. And they said, well, you just don't seem your regular self. I said, it's because I'm, 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 I feel like I'm going headlong into demons. And, I'm not, I'm, and not that I'm afraid to go headlong into demons, but the, the, the fact that I even have to be dealing with this subject. In part one last week, Christian and demons, I said, and I, and I tell you this before I say anything, is this. I can't preach a message to you unless I first lived it out first before you. God had to bring it home to me before I could ever bring it to you. Because if I try to bring you a message that I haven't lived or I haven't felt or it hasn't been gripped my spirit, then you know what? It will do us no good to be here. We're just sitting around talking. We might as well be the Elks Club. I didn't say lions, okay? Make sure I keep away from that. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, I said this last week. Be angry not and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. And I've titled this, this, this Christians and Demons, Don't Give a Place to the Devil. The Greek word here, place, means topos. And it, it, it's a spot, a place, a location, a room, a place of power or position. I'm just going to quickly go over this for those who missed last week, okay? So just hang tight with me for a minute. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, it says that the dem- demons look for a place to rest. It says they go through arid places, dry places. They look for places to occupy. 
In 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, Lest that that Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not aware of the devil's schemes. We also see that there's close ties between demons and sickness, demons and disease. How Jesus spent one-third of his ministry driving out demons. So it has to be something that we have to deal with. It can't be something I just keep parting ways with and let it go. Because I believe that God is calling us all to walk in freedom. And I I believe by the time the night is over with, the things I'm going to tell you tonight, the things that I have found in Scripture, I believe that they're going to illuminate something in our life that is going to change us for eternity. Mark 16, 7 says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. The very first sign, he said, that would follow them is that they would cast out demons. They would speak with new tongues, he goes on to say. And then he concludes, he says, And in my name they will, they will lay hands on the sick and they will, be, they will recover. Just because, I want to make sure I clarify this, just because you're sick does not mean you have a demon. But we should notice that Jesus went about healing the sick. And almost every time He healed the sick, He was also casting out demons. And many of those that He prayed for, those demons that He came against, they were healed miraculously when He he demanded that the demon come out. Remember what I said last week. When we talk about demons, we're talking about expelling them. Sickness and disease is our enemy. We are people that should be walking and healing. Sickness is our enemy. There's an incredible link between demonic powers and sickness and disease. The devil's trick is that Christian life, your Christian life isn't a battle. The devil never sleeps even though we do. The devil never takes a vacation even though we do. The devil never lets up from the battle even though we do. The devil never gets sidetracked. It is his scheme to get us sidetracked. The biggest trick that the devil wants to use on all of us is that he wants us to pretend like we're not in a battle. You're okay. Everybody's okay. You're not at war. All throughout the Bible, it's a battle. When they went into the chosen, the, 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 the chosen people went into the land of promise, it was a battle. Today, our Christian experience is still a battle. We take a contrary position to the world. There are three words that are used interchangeably to describe demons. Demons, evil spirits, and unclean spirits. Demon possession, that word, is never used in the New Testament. The verb demonized is. A better translation would be for us today is under the influence of an unclean spirit. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, well, if you arrest them for uh, drinking and driving, they say, well, I wasn't drunk, I was just drinking and driving. Well, you know what? The problem is, is you're driving under the influence. You don't have to be drunk, you're just driving under the influence. The enemy wants to put us under his influence. This is the part, this is why I believe it is so important, and that's why I'm sharing this with you as a body of believers, as Christians. I want you to understand, because probably we're not going to hear this in our churches. Churches don't like to talk about demons. Why? I don't know. Jesus spent a third of his ministry casting them out. We want to run away from them. 
But what I want you to understand is maybe the picture doesn't look like we have been given all throughout our lives. Maybe it's that we've been walking under the influence of the enemy and we didn't even know it. He wants us to walk under his influence. But I'm not demon possessed. That's okay. Christians don't have to be demon possessed. All they have to do is give a place, a foothold, an open door for the enemy. The Pharisees, you never saw a Pharisee demon possessed or, or, or demonized. You know why? Because they were unbelievers. Unbelievers do not have the legal right to have a demon removed. You may own a house. And this is, what I, this is how I compare it in our, in, in, in our relationship to God. We are God's possession. We belong to Him. Just like a house. But you know what? That house still might have termites. That house may be still being eaten up underneath. And we don't know it. I don't want you walking under the influence of the enemy. Demons look for a dwelling place. They, like, they speak to our minds. They lie to us. They torment us. They tempt us. They teach us false doctrine. They compel us and produce addictions in us. They cause sickness in us. They, they, they don't die. You know what? The same demons that have been around since the time of Christ are around today. They hang around because there's something for them to hang on to. And they recognize the anointing of God. The church hasn't had the answer. In fact, if you look in the book of Revelation, you see a church that is lax, that is loose, that is lustful, that is lazy, that is lukewarm and lost. That's the picture of the end time church. Two out of the seven were the only ones that were found faithful. God's calling us to be the bride of Christ. I'm going to share something with you that I believe that I'm just going to, this is just a little side note. The Lord has been speaking to me about us being the bride of Christ. And me being, and I don't, this, is, this may sound weird, guys, so hang in there with me. You're, I'm a bride prepper. Not a doomsday prepper. I'm a bride prepper. God's calling us to be bride preppers. You know what? When, when the bride gets ready for, for, for Christ, or when a, a woman gets ready to be married, all she can talk about is that fiancé of hers. She, you know, some guy will come up and say something, or some, some of her friends will say something about this or that, and they'll go, well, yeah, well, my fiancé, he likes this. We don't care. Then they'll, you know, you something else, and then you, you talk about something else, but, well, my fiancé does this. And that's all they think about. We should be preoccupied with our fiancé. Our churches are not preoccupied with our fiancé. And you know, just like a woman getting ready for that wedding day, she puts on her dress, and usually it's way too tight. So she's got to fast. She's got to get rid of some food. And you know what? The same thing happens in our lives. God is calling us. He's calling us to begin to fast so we can get prepared for the wedding. He's preparing us for a wedding, you guys. He's preparing us for a wedding. Many of us Christians don't like the stigma that's attached to talking about demons. Or that we might have one. The people won't see me as spiritual. I'll be embarrassed. Barriers to freedom in Christ. The number one thing is this. Dignity takes precedence over deliverance. 
If your dignity takes precedence over your deliverance, you will walk in bondage. The opposite can be true because many of us would say, when we, when we say that, when I talk to you about having demons, and they say, well, that explains why I'm doing all these weird things. That's what, that, that's what explains why I'm so, I, I've been sinning all this time. And we want to blame it all on the enemy. And that's not what we need to do because God is also ask, asking us, and He's to, commanding us to die to our flesh. Another barrier to freedom is our failure to repent. And the third barrier to our freedom is a failure to forgive. Those three things will keep us in the enemy's grasp. There are four types of people I'm going to talk about tonight when we talk about this relationship with Christ. Those that come to the Lord, not under repentance, but try God for just the blessing that He gives us. They always struggle in their life. Because why? Because they need repentance. They need to crucify the flesh. The second type of person that comes to Christ, they come in repentance, but they come in with deep wounds of abuse, rejection, neglect, evil spirits that have, have worked their way into their lives. They never get healed and thus they struggle. And I've seen this for 30 years 30 years of ministry, this is what I've seen every single time. People that walk in these, three, these four things. The, la- the next one comes to Christ. Not in repentance. Not in brokenness. And are bound by evil spirits. And they have horrible struggles. They want to live for Christ, but they can't. Because everything is coming against them. The fourth type of Christian comes to Christ. In repentance. Gets inner healing gets delivered, has an experience the abundant life of Jesus Christ, and then they begin to give it away. That's the one you want to be right there. That's the one God is calling us all to be. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 26, and I'm going to read this to you tonight from a couple different versions. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house or you like it will be set apart for destruction, regarded as vile and utterly detested, for it is set apart for destruction. The New King James Version says, Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. A.W. Tozier says this, Many people live their lives through the world like it's their playground when it really should be their battleground. Satan is a legal expert. If we open the door to him, even the smallest bit, he will come in and make himself a home. He's not even ashamed. I told my wife this and she said, You better tell him this this week. He's not ashamed to use the doggy door. He'll come in through the back entrance. He'll come in through every, any nook or cranny he can find. Demons look for a place. Remember this. Demons are looking for a place. And as you look through the Word of God, he's, they're not looking for a place in sinners or the heathen. They're looking for it in Christians. That's who we see in the Bible. That's who we see Jesus driving the demons out of. That's who we see God setting free. Those who were, who were in the synagogues. Those who were in the place of worship. 
the ways the enemy comes in, how we make a place for demons. Remember that our first scripture in Ephesians, don't make a place for the enemy. How we make a place for, the, for demons, by number one, is this. He comes in by invitation. Curiosity with the occult, our spiritual guide, our horoscope, our Ouija board as a kid, or maybe even just a harmless asking, won't somebody help me? Horror movies, demonic movies. Christians have no business watching or entertaining themselves with this garbage. Don't give them a place. Don't give them a place. Number two, and this one I spend probably the longest time on because this is the, seems to be the one that we, we, we battle with the most. Number two is it, the, the demons come in by abiding sin. Pornography, romance novels, adultery, resentment, anger, lust, jealousy. Replaying a sinful thought in your mind over and over like a recorder opens the door to the enemy. Sinners don't damage the kingdom of God nearly as bad as saints do. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, and I, I, I preached on this weeks ago, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. The New Living Translation says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. That was my message that night. There's a sin that won't be covered. It's the sin of habitual sin that we walk in. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 20 says and goes on to say that if we do these things, if we walk in these deliberate sins, we become an enemy of God. Abiding sin opens the door to the enemy like fire. Once the door is opened, the air hits it and it erupts. If we persist in being negative, we welcome a spirit of heaviness. If we persist in being critical, we open ourselves to an accusing spirit. If we walk in bitterness, we're inviting a tormenting spirit. Not loving your mate invites a spirit of ill will and division. Listen to me. Abiding sin gives the enemy legal right into your life. He will move in and build a nest. Saul's sin of jealousy invited an evil spirit in the Old Testament. Abiding sin, walking in sin, practicing sin, opens the door to the enemy. Some of you right now, I think this is, there's a light coming on, you're like, well now I know why I'm walking in, in discouragement. Now I know why I'm walking where I don't need to be with the Lord. Because, you know what, I, I've, been, I've been going to these other places and this abiding sin in my life is keeping me from where I need to be with God. I can't be delivered until I... You know, one guy said this to me. He says, you know what, hey, if, if uh, I want to be delivered, Greg, but, but um, I really like my lustful thoughts. They're just my thoughts. I don't, I don't watch the movie or anything. I just, they're right here. He says, can I be delivered? No. You won't be delivered. You walk in it. You practice it. You're opening the door to the enemy. 
He will come in by any means necessary. He'll come in through the doggy door. Number three, he comes in by someone in authority over you. Maybe a parent making a statement over you. Like my son and daughter is going to have the best, no matter what happens. Or maybe it, they, you say, I just don't care what it takes. I'm going to do this. I'm going ha- to make this happen. This is going to happen for my son or my daughter, no matter what the cost. We open ourselves up to the enemy. 80% of those diagnosed with multiple personality disorder were abused in a satanic ritual of some kind as a young person. That's a pretty, that's a pretty alarming fact. Number four, they come in through our bloodline. Family spirits, generational curses... There are over 30 people in your family if you go back to the fourth generation, like it says in the book of Exodus 34.7. I lavishly, unfailingly love the, show love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty, he says. I lay the sins of the parents on their children and their grandchildren, and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. That's over 30 people that can affect your life. Think about that just for a moment. Do you know what every grandma and grandpa, great-grandma and grandpa, was doing in their life? Do we know what they brought down to us? Do we know what we've brought down to our own kids? This makes this this is what, what scares me the worst is because I think to myself, what did I do stupidly in my life that I've brought into my kids' life? That they will now have to battle through because of my ignorance and because of my sin. Amen. Number five, they come in through the cult. Music, Dungeons and Dragons, video games. Watch the video games your kids are playing. Some of them are full-on horseplay. I will tell you that right now. There is some demonic games that kids are playing video games-wise. Your horoscope, martial arts, fortune-telling, seances, horror movies, innocent kid games that we open the door to the enemy in our lives. Number six, they come in through idle words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Idle words. Idle words allow the enemy to come in. Just think about the things that we say, we take for granted sometimes. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, making our words become more positive. But just think about the things, you know what, I would just rather, I would rather die. Little simple things that we say where we open the door to the enemy. Son or daughter, you're not worth anything. Look what's, you know, you look what a mess you've made out of your life and you'll never amount to anything. Those idle words that we say will bring life and death. 
Negative people give out invitations to the enemy for spirits of heaviness. Hating ourselves is an open invitation to the enemy. Speaking about worry, doubt, sickness, hate, all open the door to the enemy. Number seven, he comes in through weakness. You know, for me, my weakness isn't drugs. It's not shoplifting. It's not going to go out and rob a bank. But maybe my frustration is with anger or lust or pride or jealousy. In Proverbs 6, 16, it says, There are six things the Lord hates and seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes or imaginations, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. After an argument with your spouse, after a hard day of work, after confrontation, after being sick, when you're at your weakest moment, that's when the enemy is going to come in. He's not going to come in when you're sitting over there going, well, I'm not going to be tempted by that. I'm not tempted by alcohol. I'm not tempted by drugs. He's going to tempt us with the very thing where he knows that we're weakest. He's going to come into the place where we least suspect him. And what did I say last week? He'll lurk and he'll hang out until his right appropriate time. There's a a biochemist that said this about cancer. He says, Cancer cells are continually attempting to attack our bodies. Our healthy immune system identifies them, and they are unable to harm us. If we are weak by illness, emotional shock, stress, our immune system, or by, by jobs and whatever else is going on in our life, a cancer can develop. It's the same with our spiritual system. When we're weak, the enemy has an inroad into our life. And number nine, or number eight, he also comes in through our strength. Someone who's adamant to me about something they know, or something even biblically they know, or or they're sure that this isn't going to happen to them. I can, it would never happen to me. I can never, you know what? I will guarantee you that every alcoholic out there thought to themselves, I will never be that. I'll never be a drunkard. Every person who started smoking a cigarette never said to themselves, I know that 20 years from now, my lungs are going to be so blackened that I'll be dying from cancer. That's what I, I think is going to happen to me, that first smoke we took. No. The first time that, that we opened... Uh, 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 and, and said, well, you know what? If I just have this one little look at pornography, it'll be all right. And pretty soon we find ourselves enveloped in it. The enemy has a stronghold over our lives. Don't let your area of confidence be the area where the enemy can enter through. Listen to me on this, everyone. Everyone. Because I know some of us, we, we feel so assured about who we are and where we are biblically and where we are spiritually. I want you to understand this. Do not let your confidence be the area where the enemy can come in. Number nine, demons come in through trauma, abuse, and great emotional strain. You say to me, Greg, that doesn't sound fair. I agree with you. Demons do not fight fair. A young girl who's abused as a, as a, as a, as a six-year-old or seven-year-old, 
And whatever takes place, you know, we've heard the psychological things that happen with that, the fight or flight and all these things that, that take place in, in that realm. But I will tell you this, that that door that gets opened, the enemy looks for that path. Is it fair? No. Does it anger me? Yes. Is that why I'm preaching against it? Yes. Because it angers me that the enemy will look for a hole like that and he will find a place to, to distract and dissuade and to pursue us in a different realm. He will come in in that place that we are the most vulnerable right there in that weakness. Children that are abused, the enemy will ride in on that abuse. Peter said to the suffering church, listen to this, be watchful, be vigilant, for our enemy is seeking to devour. Stress can cause our weapons to be put down. We can focus ourselves on the wrong things. We can begin to turn towards vengeance and our hurt and our pain and all these things around us. And pretty soon the enemy has an avenue to slide right in. Demons come out of people who have, and, when, and, and I've been reading books on this, and, I, and, I, and I'll I'm going to share a story with you before I close today. But the enemy, well, they've, they've spoken to the, the, the demon, and he's, they've said, where, where did you come in at? And, they'll share, and the demon will say, I came in during that abuse time of your life. I came in when you were going and suffering through that. That time, that most, the most critical time of your life is where I came in at. They force their way in. It's not fair. Number 10, they come in through intoxication. Whether it be alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs. My wife did this study many years ago and I still remember it. And she did a study on these, on these things. And, and what she found out was a word called pharmakia in the Old Testament. Does that sound familiar? Pharmakia. Hmm. Pharmacia. <laughs> okay. There is a similarity there, okay? That's what I'm trying to get at, guys. But pharmakia is the spirit of divination. It is the spirit of rebellion that comes out. And God and, and the enemy will use intoxication in our lives to ride in through that avenue right there in our lives. Maybe it's through prescription drugs. Maybe we're taking more than we should. He will ride in through that place. Now, don't get me wrong. There are prescription drugs. You know, I take ne- Nexium for my tummy, Okay? Do I want to be delivered and not have to worry about my tummy? Yes, okay. But there are things that we do need to take, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying is, is there are things that we take, and we know what we're talking about when, when I say, you know what, the enemy has an open door because we allow the enemy in that place right there. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's one or two drinks more than we should have. Maybe it's drug intoxication. The enemy will ride in in that intoxicated state when you're not ready, when you're not looking I want you tonight to distinguish between dying to your flesh and demonic oppression. How can demons in the Holy Spirit occupy the same real estate, you ask? Don't we have Christ in us? Yes. If it makes you feel better, I'll explain it to you like this. Christ and the Holy Spirit dwell in our spirit. The enemy looks for a body and a soul to host. Our flesh, number th- our flesh is that carnal nature, that sin nature, that old self, not the physical body, but that sin nature, that corrupt, that corrupt fallen nature inherited from Adam. 
We die to the self. We crucify our flesh. We don't cast out the flesh. Paul said, I die daily. Demons come in though, they nest. They find a place. They're an external force at work within us. They must be expelled, not crucified. They aren't are automatically removed at salvation, even though many of us, and especially in the Western and in America, we believe that's what happens. You get saved, your demons are gone. Remember I said last week about the, 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 the revival that's happening in Argentina? They get them saved, and the first thing they do is they begin to cast out the demons. Whatever they've walked in with, they're, gonna, they're not going to leave with them. And they have a better success rate. More people are serving God today there than, than our success rate is here because many of the people that, that come to the Lord, they end up walking right back into where they've been and they backslide back right into the place because the enemy was never removed. He was right there lurking below and staying right where he, he didn't want to be seen. If he can just hide out, I won't say anything. I'll just be quiet right down here. Nobody will see me down here. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna close because I got a, a lot more stuff to talk about, and I don't want to keep going with you guys. I want to give you guys a break here tonight because I know I put a lot on you. Remember, I told you like last week about that meat. I know you're probably still chomping on last week's beef jerky. Um, next week, I'm gonna conclude this, and I'm gonna talk about how to know if you're experiencing a demon if you've given a place to him, and then we're gonna pray for people. I'm going to ask you this week, maybe those of you who are just, you know, those of you who want to see people's lives change, maybe you want to see your own life change, I'm going to ask you this week to fast a day. Maybe fast a meal if you can't fast a whole day. Fast a day and say, you know what, God? Because I want to see deliverance. I want to see deliverance in my life. Maybe this, maybe this, maybe just what I've shared with you tonight has woken something up within you. You're thinking to yourself, you know what, well, I have been watching those movies and maybe I've made a place for the enemy. Maybe I've looked at something I shouldn't be looking at and I've opened the door to the enemy. I, wanna, I want us all, the reason why I, I, I'm speaking on this is because I want us to walk in freedom. I want to walk in freedom. How do you know, I'm going to throw this at you right now, how do you know tonight if, if, if the enemy is, is, is in your life Lack of true peace and not walking in freedom. If you're not walking in peace and you're not walking in freedom, then I will guarantee you there's something that's lurking below. Maybe you need to crucify the flesh in an area. I'll give you that. But you know what? I, I, will, I will beg to say to you tonight that, you know what? I bet the enemy has got a stronghold. He's found a place. He's found a place somewhere in your life. And as I was thinking about it, even in my own life, I thought to myself, remember, man, Greg, I remember when I was five years old and I lived in Denver, Colorado. And, and, and I remember these, the kids next door would say, come on over. And I didn't really even know what was going on. And then they'd say, okay, swing, swing, Greg, swing. And, you know, and they'd start talking to you in your mind. And, and I thought to myself, even as all this was happening, I thought, Lord, did I allow the enemy an open door that I didn't even know about? Just foolishly. Just like kids do with Ouija boards and seances. Do not open the door. Do not give him a place. If you've given him a place, next week I'm going to talk to you about how to remove that. Because I want us all walking in freedom. And I will be, I'm going to tell you guys right now, there, 
since I've been going over this message, there's, there's, each day the Lord shows me something and says, you know what, Greg, you know what? Do you, do you know this area of your life? And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to go take care of that. I want to walk in freedom. When I was back in Missouri and I preached that revival back there and there was a young man up there in the front and I told you guys a story about him and he was... He was rocking back and forth. And this is something that we don't want to discuss in church because it, it may frighten somebody. It may make people walk out the door because, you know what, it may shake them up. And the very group, you remember when, when um, Tanya and Matt were here with us. Matt said to me, he goes, Greg, the one thing I didn't want to happen that night was somebody to get launched into the chairs because of the power of God and because they were, there was some kind of demonic force on their life. Because that was the one thing I was afraid of happening. And I remember I was walking along there and I got to this guy and he was, he was rocking back and forth. He yelled out, I mean, to the top of his voice. I didn't even get to touch him. I didn't even pray for him. All I did was reach out and he went into the, the chairs and... and, and, and took out all the chairs and it was, it was, it was just a hellacious mess. And, and, and I know Matt was over there going, oh my goodness, what do I got now? And I was even kind of going, well, I don't know what I got here. I don't know what's going on. I found out later that that young man had been battling with the enemy. A demon had gotten a hold of his life and that night he was set free. I watched him as I was speaking that night. The entire time I was speaking, it was like he was saying, yes, yes, I hear what you're saying. I know what you're talking to. You're talking directly to me. I hear what you're talking about. It's, 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 I'm getting it in here, Greg. And you know what? It's not just stopping right here in my brain. It's getting down in here. It's getting into a place where it's going to change and transform something. And I didn't know what was going on with him all that night. All I thought was that he was just a hungry young man. This guy was about 26 years old. And then after I found out what happened to him, he's still walking in freedom. He's still walking in deliverance today. Not because of something I did, but because of the power of God on his life. Do you choose dignity tonight over deliverance? Don't choose dignity over deliverance. Lord, if I have to make a little bit of a fool of myself to walk in freedom, I want to walk in freedom. Tonight, I'm going to close with a, a worship song. If you need prayer tonight, I'm not, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to not feel like you can't come up here. I, I know I'm, I'm planning and we're focusing on next week being you know, the, the final part of this, part three of this message. And we're going to pray for it. But you know what? You know, maybe tonight the Lord has just spoken to you and you're back there saying to yourself, you know what? I, I believe what He's saying. I know that this is what's going on in my life. I, I need this. I'm ready. I'm ready to abandon. I'm ready to recklessly abandon everything in the world and I want what God has. Then you know what? I don't want to stop you. I want you to, I still want, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have to wait another week. I want you to walk in freedom tonight. But on the same note, I want you to know, I want those of us who are Christians this week, I want us to look in our, examine ourselves, say, God, what is it? What's going on here? What is it that's going on in my life? Why do I continue to struggle with this anger? Why do I continue to struggle with jealousy? Why am, why am I envious? Why, have I, why do I have pride that keeps coming right back up? It just keeps, I can't knock it down. I've tried to die to the flesh and it keeps coming back. I've read the word. I've fasted. I've done all these things. And maybe the enemy's got a foothold in a place where we just didn't know how he got in there, but he's in there. Doesn't mean you're demon possessed. 
Christians are not demon-possessed. It's biblical. But we can be demonized. We can give a place for the enemy. I don't want to give the enemy a place. I do not want to give the enemy a place. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Hallelujah.